Two drinks a week, max. That's the new guideline, the new recommendation from the Canadian Centre on Substance Use and Addiction. They are saying that if you want to stay in the low-risk category, you should have no more than two alcoholic beverages per week. Also, moving from drink to food, what are you noticing as it pertains to the quality of your groceries, particularly produce? Because we've heard from a lot of people who are saying the produce these days ain't all that great. And on the subject of food and drink, we asked you to tell us a story about foodstuffs gone bad. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is off today. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This is the Tuesday, January 17th podcast for The Start. Good morning, Mackling and McGarry. McNabb off again today. Tyson in for producer Jeff Forte in Master Control. And we're going to be talking a lot this morning about food and drink. You heard Jeff's newscast, some new guidelines on alcohol. We'll touch on that in a moment. But we want to start with the question because it's going to be one of our primary topics through the day. Are you noticing, like, kind of poor produce in grocery stores? Because it sounds like some of our colleagues in the news meeting yesterday, sounds like that came up as one of the topics, like what's going on in the grocery store. I haven't noticed. Mackling of you? No, but maybe I'm not buying enough produce. <laughs> that could be the first and larger problem is that uh, there isn't enough produce on my grocery list. No, I haven't noticed it myself. But once again, just because I haven't seen it or the fact that you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not happening. 204-780-6868. We'd love to hear from you. What have your observations been? Uh, we'd love to uh, hear that feedback as we make our way through the morning and throughout the day, because there's nothing worse, Brett, than paying higher prices for something that isn't right, mm-hmm. isn't of quality, that doesn't fill your needs. And so if this is the case, that's even more frustrating for me. I don't mind paying for a product or service where I feel like I'm getting value, Mm -hmm. but when I feel like I'm overpaying and then the quality on top of that isn't what it ought to be, that's uh, doubly frustrating. Yeah. So let us know uh, as well, not just with produce, but with items on the shelf. Apparently a lot of of people are seeing things like products that are either at or at the very least near their best before date. So, of course, we the, the recommendation or the, the, the comment we always hear is, well, it's a, it's not an expiry date, it's a best before date. But that always leaves many with questions like, well, is this even safe to consume? I, As I mentioned, I haven't noticed the produce. Uh, I'm pretty specific with the produce items that I buy. I go to the lettuce, grab that, I'll grab a couple of tomatoes and maybe some green onions, and then I'm gone. So I haven't noticed if the rutabaga is in good or bad condition. I don't know. I don't even know how to consume rutabaga. Well, with uh, any any product that has an expiration or best before date, if those things have to come off the shelf, I think we have to remember that we're not only paying for the item that we buy, 
in that genre of food, if it's got a best before date or a best bef- uh, before sell date, if it has to come off the shelf and, and be donated or destroyed, you're not only paying for the one that you took home with you, you're paying for part of the one that never got purchased, that never got consumed. And so stores, retailers may be stretching, uh, stretching the life because on the wholesale side, everything is costing them more, so they may be more reluctant to pull those items off the shelf ahead of time and take a loss on them. Nathan texting us to say, I get produce every few days, and it's been a shame and shocking. Lettuce bags and cucumbers were the worst. Okay, so that's interesting. So let us know what you're seeing out there uh, while you are shopping, whether it's produce or products that are near or at their best before dates. And we're going to have more on this through the day, including at 6.37 when we check in with the food professor. And then at 6.45, we're going to take it in a slightly more amusing direction, as we like to do every day at 6.45. The alcohol guidelines. Canadian Centre on Substance Use and Addiction. Now recommending, whereas before the previous guidelines were no more than two drinks a day, Mm -hmm. now they're saying... Two drinks or less per week. Seven times less. That's going to be tough for people to wrap their head around, if you ask me. I got to be honest with you, and I'm not saying this to be flippant, dismissive, disrespectful, or irresponsible, or anything like that. But when I saw that, my reaction, I I laughed. I laughed. (laughs) I I thought, two drinks in a week? Like, if I go out for drinks with my pals... I'll exceed that within the first 45 minutes. And what am I supposed to do? Just say, okay, I'm done. Uh, It's time to switch to cranberry juice. I don't know. I just, (laughs) I know they've done extensive research on this. And at 835, we're going to speak to the the co-chair for Canada's low-risk alcohol drinking guidelines with the Centre for Substance Abuse and Addiction uh, to, to find out how they came to this conclusion. But uh, this is I think this is going to be a tough sell for a lot. I don't disagree with you, Brett. And as one that doesn't really consume a, a lot of alcohol, even I look at this and go, that's an interesting move. That's a, that's a paramount shift in terms of the amount of alcohol that's recommended in terms of doing so safely. I guess the only safe amount is none mm-hmm. when you get right down to it. And so this is, this is finding middle ground and, and understanding that alcohol is a part of not everyone's life, but a lot of us, it is a part of our life and finding those recommendations that, that make it uh, healthy-ish, I, you know, all the language around it now is even sort of questionable, right? Like, w- what's the goal here? We understand that alcohol is not good for us, but to go from living with this understood sort of recommendation of two a day being acceptable to now two a week, that's going to be a bridge too far for a lot of folks. Question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid struggling with debt called 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. What's your reaction to this news? Your options are, I agree, alcohol causes too many problems. Second option, drinking less is good, but two drinks seems harsh. And your third option, two drinks a week? What a joke. Cast your vote at cjob.com. <laughs> Ooh, 
It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Ah, I see what you're doing with this song, Tyson. We'll explain the connection in just a moment here. It is Tuesday, which means after Global News at 7.30, breakfast with the Bombers and some great news coming from the Blue and Gold. Number 94, Jackson Jeffcoat. Just one more of a number of pieces which have re-upped with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as they make their way towards the 2023 campaign. And of course, the goal, Brett, is to bring the Grey Cup back to Winnipeg. Don't talk about redemption with a lot of these players, but uh, let's face it, uh, they want to uh, make things right after what happened in 2022. And we'll also discuss what happened in the NFL last night. Cameron Poitras touched on it. Uh, A former Blue Bomber, I don't know if he ever kicked an actual kick for the blue and gold, but he was on the roster once upon a time, had some major struggles in the playoff game uh, between Dallas and Tampa last night. So that's coming up after Global News at 7.35. But we just heard the song that smell. Was that Leonard Skinnerd, producer Tyson in for Fortier? Uh, yes, it was. Okay, well done. Well, that has to do with the thing we discussed off the top of the show, is the story around the cost of food in our country evolves. Is there a new concern? Pandemic-induced supply chain issues, avian flu, Russia's war on Ukraine, drought, corporate greed, and worker shortages have all been blamed for the rising cost of food we eat. This morning, we are asking the question, are you seeing incidents of poor product quality on grocery store shelves? Wayne at 204-780-6868 says at his grocery store, lemons, limes, blueberries have all been, in his word, slack for the last year and a half, rotten on the shelf a lot of the time. The food professor, Sylvain Charlebois of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University joins us now. Sylvain, good morning to you. Good morning. Are you receiving any evidence that produce is of reduced quality on shelves or you know, food stores are pushing the limit on best before dates? It's always hard to gather evidence. Uh, quality will vary between stores, uh, between regions as well. Um, also, it depends on the time of year. The weather uh, is, is, is often a big factor. Uh, when, say, there's a storm, uh, it will slow things down, which will eventually lead to what we call shelfflation. So, you come into the store and you buy uh, products uh, that aren't as fresh as they used to. You you buy them, you bring them home, and you just have a couple of days to eat them or else you throw them away, which makes food more expensive. So we call that phenomena shelfflation, when supply chains aren't necessarily working at 100%. So, Sylvain, do different retailers have different standards with regard to produce in particular as to how long they might have it uh, sit available for purchase? Oh, absolutely. So larger chains will look for the best deal. And the best deal often, especially in the winter, uh, aren't necessarily located in Canada. So they have to um, fetch products, uh, procure products from all over the world. Uh, look at California right now with floods. Uh, so my guess right now, the larger chains are looking at Spain, uh, even South America, to get celery and different produce uh, that we eat uh, during the winter. And obviously, with the length of travel, uh, you're obviously going to see a difference in quality of the product you, hi- you, you buy at the store. 
So in terms of packaged items that have a best before date on them, we've talked about this before, but it's always an area of concern. A lot of people don't really know how to navigate that. How should we treat these dates? Well, I mean, with uh, with a grain of salt, uh, no pun, but you, you, I, I certainly suggest uh, to people uh, if uh, you know if you're in good shape, your immune system is not compromised or anything like that, uh, you can certainly rely on your senses and, and check. Uh, I'll be honest with you, as a family ourselves, we uh, we do push, uh, we do eat uh, many products uh, past. The best before date. Uh, it just doesn't mean that it's bad after. Uh, if it looks good, doesn't smell anything, uh, you can certainly eat it safely. Uh, that's certainly something I recommend to people to do. And if, for example, you buy, say, carrots and they're a little bit too soft, uh, make uh, make a, a creme or a soup or something. Uh, you, you always there's always a way to, to to do something with the products you bought at the grocery store even though the quality is not there. Earlier, uh, Brett asked me about putting bananas in the fridge, uh, Sylvain. I said, I don't, I don't think the fridge helps bananas at all. Well, no, a quick Google not. search. <laughs> well, a Google search seems to suggest that maybe the fridge might be better than a counter for bananas. What's the real deal? Uh, people throwing bananas... I, I'm a, they need to uh, take cooking lessons. You can do a lot of things with bananas, uh, even though they're all brown. I mean, banana bread is one of the easiest things to do. And so uh, I certainly would recommend people to to, uh, to to buy it. If you buy bananas and there's too many, uh, well, then basically use them to, to make banana bread or other things. I mean, you can do a lot of different things with bananas. Yeah, but where's the best place to store them to to keep the you know their longevity and and their and their edibility uh, the way we like to eat them the best? Actually, the fridge may accelerate the browning process. That's the thing. So I would leave it on the counter if you don't have any fly problems. Uh, in in Halifax here, it's like plus seven, so we do have fly problems even in the winter. But if you don't have any fly problems, I'd leave it on the counter. And before we let you go, Sylvain, last week you wrote an op-ed about increasing frequency of theft in grocery stores, and you got some angry feedback on social media about this. I I would call it more unexpected angry feedback. (laughs) Basically, so I posted an op-ed about theft, and I saw some tweets encouraging people to steal. And I immediately replied, listen, if, if you think... Uh, it's okay to steal because you think food prices are too high. That's 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 the wrong thing to do, and that's when thing went berserk. Uh, and I didn't expect that at all. And, and frankly, I, I stuck to to my guns over the weekend. I said, listen, there's no ifs, no buts. Stealing is wrong. And there are there are two categories here. You got organized crime, and you got people who are desperate. I mean. Certainly, if I see someone stealing a sandwich at the grocery store and that person is hungry, I'm not going to stop them. But uh, in recent days, we've seen cases of groups stealing four, five thousand dollars worth of food uh, to, to resell in the black market. That's a problem. All sorts of questions around food, around the, the food that we need to, to stay healthy and to sustain us. Uh, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, we appreciate you always being there for us. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye-bye. The food professor, Sylvain Charlebois, the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, joining us live on 680 CJOB.
It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today, as we just discussed, with the food professor. One of the news topics today is going to be bad produce in grocery stores and how a lot of items on the shelves are near or at their best before dates and whether or not it's safe to consume those products. So you can continue to let us know at 204-780-6868 what you're seeing out there. But as we like to do in this segment, we will take something that's going on in the news and maybe just tweak it a little bit to have some fun with it. So let's discuss foodstuffs gone bad. You love, Cam likes that word, by the way. <laughs> I love that word. It's, un, it's an underused term, foodstuffs. We need to bring it back. Something, a substance that is suitable to consume as food. <laughs> it also provides, did you say nu- nutriment? Nutriment, yeah. Something that provides, a substance that provides nutriment. <laughs> <laughs> new words today. Yes, yeah, I've definitely fun. never heard nutriment. New word Tuesday. I think that could be a new feature for us as well. It's a perfect word to follow up foodstuffs with nutriment. So we want to ask you if you have a story about something going bad. Perhaps you found something in the fridge, in the cupboard, maybe in your car. Etc. We don't necessarily have to tell gross stories, but if you want to go down that road, fill your boots. Uh, is there a food that you buy that always goes bad before you're finished? For me, it's bananas, um, and I got I really got to try the fridge trick. I know Sylvain was saying suggesting no, but we've had several listeners say do the fridge, try the fridge. It might brown the peel, right. but the banana inside should stay, should be okay. Uh, I haven't tried it yet. Got any? And so, do you have any tricks from keeping certain foods from going bad? Uh, two hundred four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Cam, why don't we start with you? Uh, well, I had this. I was, I was out living in BC, and I made this uh, pot of of Hutterite dumplings, which is one of my favorite things, and uh, just you know, great comfort food. Made it for myself, and for whatever reason, I don't remember why, I left it on the table at my apartment. And I kept looking at it, and it kept staring at me, and I knew what was underneath that pot cover. And for, I would say, two and a half weeks, <laughs> I knew what was waiting for me, and I just did not want to deal with it. And I kept looking at it, and I kept walking away, and I kept looking at it and walking away. And eventually, it came to a head like, listen, this is ridiculous. This is disgusting. Cameron, what the heck is wrong with you? You have to deal with this. And so I went and I was – I'm not going to get it, but it was all the colors you can probably imagine. And I just dumped it down. I soaked that pot for like a week and a half and stuff like that. Just ridiculous. I don't okay. know why I did that. How much did that pot cost you in the first place? Like was this a $60 pot or was this like a ten ninety nine special at Ikea? You know because what? It was probably something that my mom had given me when I was leaving from home or something like that. Yeah. I would have been tempted just to wrap that thing <laughs> in a glad garbage bag I was and thinking never about it. ever deal with or see it or eat or cook with it again. I don't know what was wrong with me. It was just like, and I just was like, I just, I can't deal with this. It's just, it's getting grosser and grosser. It's getting worse and worse. <laughs> oh, that's great. Jeff Braun, what about you, sir? Uh, my story is actually my father's story and he was the, uh, he, he's a, he used to, really get into the late night snacks or whatever. You know what I mean? He liked to eat. He'd wake up at two in the morning and then go to the kitchen and have something to eat. And one night he woke up at two in the morning and he went to the kitchen, made himself a bologna sandwich in the dark, wolfed it down, thought, hey, it's a little tangy, went back to bed, woke up sick the next morning. Oh, no. Goes to the fridge, (laughs) opens it up. The bologna's all green. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess that's what I get for eating in the dark. <laughs> uh, Tyson in for 14, Master Control. Oh, my dad loves making briskets in the summer. And so he usually has like at least two or three, just in the, like he's got a meat freezer. So he's got two or three. And so he, want, he went to make one one day. And so 
you leave it you leave it overnight and so he goes and makes one and then I wake up the next morning and it's like go in the garage and I'm like what this smells terrible like what it's, it smells like something died in here and you turn around the corner and there's a brisket like a full brisket just just soiling it's like it's like 30 degrees outside and it's just soiling in the garage and my dad oh I'm like you got to throw this out dad and he's like no you could you can cook that off. <laughs> <laughs> no. You just cook it off. Just cut cut around it. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, like you're gonna get so sick. And then it took it took like so much just to pry that brisket from his hands. He's like, it's a waste. He hates wasting food. So it's like he's a, it's a waste of food. He was walking it around with it like prime Walter Payton. He just wouldn't wouldn't let go. He wouldn't let go of the brisket. <laughs> My uh, dad's coming over for sandwiches later. Don't worry. <laughs> or here's another question: Have you ever bought something and had to return it immediately because it turned out to be bad? Like I remember, I bought. Uh, I lived next door to a drugstore, and um, I ran over. I needed milk, and they, you know, they had. I bought a jug of milk. The the expiry date was like two weeks out, and uh, so I figured, no, oh, no problem. I got home, and the second I opened it. I put the lid back on and I had to take it back because the smell just kind of like it was clearly it had gone bad. And uh, thankfully, they they didn't give me a hard time. They just said, oh, yeah, go grab another one. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it happens. We had magic milk in the fridge. A four what, sorry, sorry. What's that? Oh, it was just it was just like a magic jug of milk that from Christmas Eve it was on J- December twenty fourth. It was still good up to yesterday, and oh, oh. I was gonna go make gonna have some coffee with it and, and put some in. And uh, my wife uh, dumped it out, and she's like, "It went bad." I said, "No, it wasn't. It was a magic jug of milk. It was still good. I don't know what's in there, but this like you know, it was just still. It was like we like almost like, closing out a month past its expiration date. Wow, milk was still good as long as you keep it in the fridge and you don't leave it out on the counter." for an extended amount of time you can get a good week 10 days oh yeah past that expiration date on yeah. your milk for smell sure. test take it from a milkman and listen <laughs> uh there is nothing worse than uh, being out on the milk route and pulling up to somebody's house in the middle of the summer and having uh the person living inside that house run outside with a one liter carton of of skim milk begging you to smell the milk. This is bad. Is this bad? <laughs> smell it. Taste it. I don't want to smell it. I'm not going to taste it, but here's another one liter of skim milk. I apologize. I'll take that from you and and move on. But uh, yeah, there's nothing more <laughs> disgusting than, than sour milk. And I'm of the vintage, and, and I think a lot of us still cut off the cheese like if there's not cut the cheese but cut off the cheese if there is a you know a little bit of mold that has grown in you yeah. get rid of that and you carry on right yep. you carry on with life uh but uh yeah dairy products are uh, probably the most interesting of all the the goods in our fridge you don't want i don't like messing around with them but there are some rules of thumb for sure It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. It's Tuesday, which means breakfast with the Bombers coming up after Global News at 7.35. And then after 8.05, it's our next installment in the Global News series, Out of Pocket, six-week series that was launched last week, examining all things related to inflation. And we're going to hear from a woman who talks about how she's had to stop saving for retirement just to try to get by from day-to-day life. So that's coming up at 8.05, and then that'll be followed by the keys to the game with Cameron Poitras with the Winnipeg Jets back in action tonight against the Habs, the Canadiens de Montreal. Question of the day at cjob.com. 
for Credit Aid. Struggling with debt? Call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. The Canadian Centre on Substance Use and Addiction says we should limit our alcohol consumption to two drinks per week. What's your reaction? And the early results on our website... 30% say, I agree, alcohol causes too many problems. 30% say, drinking less is good, but two drinks seems harsh. And 40% say, two drinks a week, what a joke. You can cast your vote at cjob.com or on Twitter or on Instagram at 680CJOB. By the way, we're going to be at 835 speaking with the co-chair for Canada's low-risk alcohol drinking guidelines. But uh, the the guidelines for, what, 12 years now have been... Three drinks a day for men, up to a maximum of 15 per week, and two drinks a day for women, up to a maximum of 10. So this is a dramatic shift. One of our listeners pointing out that just in the last couple of days has seen the billboards with regard to Know Your Limits. There's a billboard produced by the LGCA, the Liquor, Gaming, and Cannabis Authority of Manitoba. I went on their website and clicked through on their Be Alcohol Aware, and I ended up on the, on the, uh, on the uh, website which talks about the, the different limits. Know your, your limits. Reduce your long-term health risks by drinking no more than 10 drinks a week for women with no more than two drinks a day most days. 15 drinks for men with no more than three drinks a day for, for uh, on most uh, days, pardon me. And plan non-drinking days every week to avoid developing a habit. Going back to 2011, Brett, like how wrong did they get the research which provided the guidelines that were presented then and that have been up until today, the guidelines that even the government of Manitoba endorses, endorses and, and shares with the public. Yeah, you know, maybe is it a question of, and we'll have to ask the doctor at 835, was that research wrong or what's changed over the last decade or so. The, you can read more on this, by the way, at cjob.com, globalnews.ca. The headline, Drinking Too Much, a new guide on alcohol consumption outlines limits for Canadians. And, you know, it says, for example, uh, the definition of a standard drink in Canada is equivalent to a bottle of beer, a glass of wine, uh, or a shot glass of spirits, like, a, like a, for me it'd be a rum and coke, or uh, a bottle of cider. And they say that the harm to yourself and others is moderate, meaning a 1 in 100 risk of premature death if you have 3 to 6 drinks weekly. And as you increase the intake, the risks grow higher, more steeply for women than men above when they go over 6 drinks per week. Well, like, I get it. Alcohol's bad. Um, we, I know we joke about it on this show, but I also remember we did that, uh, that series, a couple-week series that was spearheaded by... Our friend and colleague, our co-host, Loren McNabb, on the dangers of alcohol and how prevalent a problem it is and how and it's still one of the, the leading things that plague the healthcare system. And, of course, never mind the, uh, the addiction component and the, the issues that it might create for psychology professionals It's uh, in terms of the people seeking out help for this. So, yes, it's a problem. And I, when I say... Anything about two drinks a week seems kind of kind of weird to me. I'm not trying to be dismissive, but 
to me, I'm just wondering, like, how are you going to get people to take this seriously? And I guess that's an, one more of the questions that we'll have at, at 8.30 when we, we speak to the co-chair for Canada's low-risk alcohol drinking guidelines. And you mentioned uh, the, the strains on the healthcare system and uh, the psychology of addiction, etc. And then what about the social ills? that alcohol causes. That is right up there. You mentioned Loren's report, and she wrote along with the Winnipeg police, fire paramedics in the research for her story. And police will tell you, it's still one of the top calls they get with regard to domestic disputes. There's alcohol involvement in so many of those. And so the social issues around alcohol, well-documented as well. And one of our listeners saying it's understandable booze heads and bar flies will have a bee in their bonnet about the new (laughs) alcohol recommendations. No one is stopping you from drinking, but maybe it will dissuade others from starting or help those that may want to stop. And there's also actually Global News had a story over the weekend, which I found interesting, about Generation Z and how they are, at least on a global scale, they're drinking a little bit less. They're drinking less than than previous generations. Uh, It's just less appealing. The researchers have seen a trend that's raising eyebrows. They're just drinking far less. A lot of it has to do with wanting to live a healthier lifestyle. For some, it's just simply the cost. Alcohol, particularly in this country, is expensive. And if you're a young person just trying to, you know, maybe make enough money to get yourself through school or whatever it is, alcohol might be that thing that you just have to cut out simply for cost. Yeah, well, you mentioned the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, had an impact on drinking habits in Canada from this report with stress, boredom, and loneliness uh, contributing to an increase in consumption for nearly a quarter of the population. That was according to a 2021 Statistics Canada survey. But that same survey also found around one in five Canadians say they've been drinking less than they did pre-pandemic among those aged 15 to 29. As you were mentioning, one third had decreased their consumption. So I think the education around alcohol consumption Uh, Drinking and driving in particularly is really resonating with younger people, Brett. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. We're asking you many questions this morning at 204-780-6868, including about foodstuffs gone bad, because we're talking about fact that people are spotting poor quality produce in grocery stores, lots of items on the shelf that are near or at their best before date, and we are asking you if you got a story about finding something that's gone bad, or maybe uh, do you have any tricks from keeping certain foods from going bad or losing their luster? Like, here's one for you, Greg, from Howard, because Howard knows how much you like celery. Howard says to help (laughs) extend celery shelf life. After buying it, wash it, shake off the excessive water, then wrap it in tin foil and refrigerate it, and the celery shall remain crisp and good for two to three weeks. That's two to three weeks too long. Why even bother <laughs> buying it? <laughs> you think, have to maintain it like that after you purchase it. It's like a pet. I think we've point. had some other tips <clears throat> that uh, if the celery goes goes the soft or limp or whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> then if you just put it in a bowl of water or something and stick that in the fridge, it'll, I've heard that. it'll bring it back to yeah, life. I think I've heard that with carrots as well. 
Okay. Carrot sticks in particular. Howard says, uh, or no, pardon me, Brent says, many years ago we noticed an awful odor in the house. Seemed to be coming from a closet. Eventually discovered a rotten salami sandwich in a kid's jacket. (laughs) Delicious, Brent. That's fun. And this one's for Cam because Cam was talking about his Hutterite dumplings, which he made, which he very much enjoys, but he did not tend to them and then left them too long. And Dustin says, mine has to do with Hutterite soup. Or Straunuckle soup, I hope I'm saying that correctly, given to me by one of my Hutterite ants. I left a jar open on the counter when I was bacheloring it, and I ended up eating the soup, and the outcome, um, three days at the Vic Hospital and uh, 21 pounds lost in three days. So be safe with your food, says Dustin. Maybe I could get some of that Straunuckle soup and, and employ uh, Dustin's weight loss strategy. <laughs> you don't want to go no, down that I road. No, I know. I know you don't want to go down that road. <laughs> Uh, so text us for a chance to win moose tickets. We'll pick a winner at 9.15 on that. It means breakfast with the Bombers. Brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca. A better place for you. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers announced yesterday they have re-secured one more piece in their quest for the 2023 Grey Cup. Blitz coming, Rourke is going to get picked up. Jackson Jeffco dropped into coverage and he's got it at the 35-yard line. Blue and gold looking for more of that in 2023. And Jackson Jeffcoat is just one of a number of key pieces that general manager Kyle Walters has managed to secure prior to CFL free agency, which is suddenly just four weeks away, opening February 14th. Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com joins us now. Ed, good morning. Morning, fellas. How are you? We're doing really well. First visit of 2023, so it's great to connect with you, Ed. Last season, Jackson Jeffcoat played 12 of 18 regular season games. He had 20 tackles, four sacks, and that memorable interception versus BC, which we played off the top. He is so impactful when he plays. Is is that really the only potential question mark around number 94? I think you've hit the nail right on the head, Greg. He missed six games last year. He was spectacular in 2021, a CFL All-Star. That's the year he was completely healthy, didn't miss any time. But he has missed large chunks of games in the last few seasons. And, boy, if he can stay healthy and you pair him up with Willie Jefferson on the other side of the defensive line, that really wreaks havoc on what offenses want to do in this league. Now, we heard that Jeff Coates interception uh, off the arm of now former BC Lions quarterback Nathan Rourke, who has signed with the NFL's Jacksonville Jaguars. What impact did Rourke have in his one year in the CFL, and do you anticipate him sticking south of the border? Well, the, to the, the answer to the first question to me is that his impact was significant. Like it, was, it was the story of the league last year, a, a Canadian that, that quarterback that was starring uh, you know, he created an awful lot of buzz, and that's what every league wants is some sort of buzz. And when it's a hometown guy or a, a, a Canadian at that position, which isn't normally um, owned by Canadians, it, it was a real compelling story. And we all followed it, and it was a shame that he got hurt, but he came back for the end of the season. As, as far as his chances of making it in the NFL, I think they're pretty good. You know, a lot of people wondered at first why he signed with Jacksonville because they've got a young star there in Trevor Lawrence. But uh, Nathan Rourke has said all along he just wanted to compete for a number two job, and the number two job is wide open in Jacksonville. 
Uh, C.J. Beathard is their number two quarterback right now. He's he's two and ten as a starter. There's also some connections to the CFL there with Henry Burris as their quality control coach on offense, and Mike McCoy, a former CFL quarterback, is their quarterback coach. So um, I think he's picked a good spot. It might not have looked that way initially, but the more you look at it, the more it looks like a perfect spot for him to get his NFL career started. Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com joining us now. I did not know about the Henry Burris connection, Ed, so thanks for pointing that out to us. And speaking of the NFL, last night, Dallas place kicker and former CFLer uh, Brett Maher uh, missed four straight converts, or PATs as they call them in the NFL. I, I think he was uh, signed with the Bombers at one point in time, but don't think he ever got into a game with the blue and gold. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. Um, I, I don't know about you. Like I'm, I'm a Vikings fan. I think I've made that clear before. So <laughs> yes. I hate the, I hate the Cowboys, but I was cringing watching him miss those field goals. Uh, those uh, converts too. They were, they were just, uh, it was painful. He looked lost out there and he missed more converts and missed more kicks in that game than he had missed all season. So pretty painful to watch, but, uh, uh, we'll see. And then I've seen lots of memes already on Twitter about, about that and whether he'll have a job today, but uh, I think he put together a pretty good regular season. Yeah, Jerry Jones has already said, and you can take that with a grain of salt, I think, that the Cowboys aren't interested or aren't going to bring any kickers in this week. It's a very short work week for the Cowboys playing on Monday than they play Sunday in San Francisco. So making a change of any sort is probably out of the question, but that was really uh, difficult to watch. And, And when we go back to... The Grey Cup, that obviously was a major yep. part of the storyline there as well, right, Ed? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because uh, Mark Leggio missed an, a, a couple of converts in the Western Final, too, and had struggles in the in the Grey Cup. And, you know, when the when teams moved uh, in the NFL and the CFL, moved the convert back to the 32-yard line from where it used to be, where it was just a 12-yard kick, it changed things significantly. It used to be such a gimme, but... You know, some people wanted drama brought back to the to that aspect of the game, and they certainly got it because kickers can go into funks like this and really struggle. And we saw that with Mark Leggio in the playoffs, and we saw that last night with Brett Maher. Nick Dempsey, Nick Dembski, pardon me, Rashid Bailey, Michael Couture, and Janarian Grants. They're they're all among a group of players which remain mm-hmm. unsigned. So any of those names? Or others that Blue Bomber fans should be nervous about leaving Manitoba to play elsewhere? That's a good question, Brett. There's still, as you guys said uh, off the top, there's about a month before the free agent market opens. There's 15 names still on the list of uh, pending free agents for the Bombers. You rattle off a few, Brett, that are pretty significant. Uh, I think there's going to be more signings before the the, the market opens. Um but as GM Kyle Walters has said a number, number of times since the season ended, there's no way you can squeeze everybody in under the salary cap. So uh, there's going to be some names that sting when they sign somewhere else or don't return to the Blue Bombers, but uh, they're going to try to get as many as they can because as Coach O'Shea has said many times, they want as much continuity as possible. But uh, there's just no way that all 15 guys are going to be back for 2023. I'm not asking for any inside information that maybe you don't have any, but uh, the whole idea of Nick Dembski in particular ending up somewhere else, I think would be unpalatable to uh, pretty much every single Blue Bomber fan. You're right. Uh, I guess the the scary part is 
uh, Greg, the closer you get to free agency, uh, the more his agents probably fielding phone calls and the price goes up. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's an important part of what Winnipeg did. He had 10 touchdowns last year, career numbers in receiving and, and yardage and receptions. But um, this is where this is kind of the scary time of year, right? If a deal isn't done in the next few weeks, then the closer you get to market, then the player might be tempted just to go to market to see what's out there. Now, if you get the market and and haven't signed it, it doesn't mean you still won't circle back and re-sign with Winnipeg. But it, it, at that point, the, the club loses control. So that's what, where it gets really scary, too. Ed Tate, BlueBombers.com, joining us live for Breakfast with the Bombers. Mr. Tate, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate you having me on, and have a good day. It is 7.47 with Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. We need to have a peek at traffic and weather. A touch cooler today. feel a little queasy after listening to Ed talk about Nick Dembski and getting closer to free agency. And it's and it's not some of these text messages <laughs> that we're getting at 780-6868, some food stories. This is the idea of, of Nick and anything but blue and gold for the rest of his career is unpalatable to me unpalatable and Greg's right tell us a story about foodstuffs gone bad for a chance to win some Manitoba moose tickets doesn't have to be uh, you know a gross story if you don't want like maybe it's just something simple I remember I bought some hot dog buns from a store I got home and I looked on the bottom of the bag and they were rotten like they were just all moldy and then I took them immediately took them back and they gave me a hard time come on you didn't notice when when you picked it up, like um, I didn't realize that I was expected to uh, to examine the product that you deemed good enough to be on your shelf. Uh, what sort of scam are you running at that point? What do you think? I went home, took old hot dog buns from a different bag and put them in this <laughs> bag, like for the three sixty nine or however how much they're charging for the hot dog buns. Yeah, come on. That's a good point. I probably lost more money in time and gas than I should have just thrown you them out. You did the right thing, but come on, question you on that, please. <laughs> it is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. In a moment, we're going to learn more about these new recommended guidelines for alcohol consumption in this country. But... Before that, at 204-780-6868, we're asking you for a chance to win Manitoba Moose tickets versus Iowa Wild, Canada Life Centre, Friday, February 17th, about foodstuffs gone wrong. Maybe you discovered something in your home that had gone bad or went got home from the grocery store and realized the food that you bought was already bad. And Daryl with an interesting, I suppose, cautionary tale. The week before this past Christmas, we had friends over for supper. We were having coffee after supper, and I asked if anyone wanted Baileys in their coffee. They all said yes. When they saw me get it out of the cupboard instead of the fridge, they questioned me on it. I did not know it was supposed to be in the fridge after opening. We looked at the best before date. It was 2015. No one wanted to take a chance and get sick before Christmas. I said, no problem. I have another small bottle not opened. The best before date on that one? was 2011. When I went to dump it out, it was solid. (laughs) Nothing came out. (laughs) Needless to say, everyone took their coffee black. I've since gone through my liquor cupboard and thrown out a few more bottles of various liqueurs. The oldest date, Brett, 2009. Wow. 
It was solid. That's one of the funniest things I think I've ever heard. Uh, I don't. I would love to have seen the look on Daryl's <laughs> face when he went to get rid of that. But hey, on the subject of alcohol, as we've been discussing this morning, Jeff Braun's been telling you about it in his newscasts. The Canadian Centre on Substance Use and Addiction has released updated guidance today on how much alcohol Canadians should be drinking while maintaining their health. The previous guideline was a maximum of two drinks a day, and Brett, now it's two drinks a week. Dr. Peter Butt is co-chair for Canada's low-risk alcohol drinking guidelines, Canadian Centre on Substance Abuse and Addiction. Dr. Butt, good morning and thank you for your time today. Good morning. So why the new guidelines? Why the new guidelines? It was quite clear that the evidence had changed since our, our previous guidelines released in 2011 evidence with regards to the carcinogenic effects of alcohol. Alcohol is causally associated with seven different cancers. And contrary to previous belief, alcohol is not good for the heart, in addition to other uh, costs and harms that it causes. So we knew that we had to update it. We were surprised at the results that we got, but it's important that consumers are aware. People have a right to know. I think uh, most people would agree on on everything you're saying with regard to the impact of alcohol on our lives and, and the negative aspect of consuming alcohol. But the 2011 research, this is a gigantic shift. This is basically a sevenfold shift in advice here. Was the research in 2011 that poor? Well, it was limited by what was available, yes. And, and since 2011, both, well, the UK, uh, France, Australia, and the US have updated their, their evidence. And we built off um, the most recent update, which had been done in a very rigorous way in Australia. So we went from 2017 to 2021 with regards to the evidence, and it has shifted. No, Dr. Butt, alcohol, it's not a part of everybody's life. Um, the previous guidelines, it was two drinks a day for women, three drinks a day for men, up to a max of 10 and 15, respectively, in a week. Uh, for those who do enjoy alcohol, for those who it, it is a part of their life, when you see they see two drinks a week max, like how do you expect them to take this seriously? Well, that's a good question, and that's why we, we're not landing on the, the one to two standard drinks per week. That's how we define low risk. Moderate risk is three to six standard drinks per week, and then increasingly high risk would be seven standard drinks per week and more. So what we, we really want to do is to improve Canadians' literacy when it comes to beverage alcohol, in, in, increase their, their awareness and have them reflect on how much are they drinking, how does this uh, fit into the context of their approach to health and wellness in general? And that the best advice is to reduce. Less is better. We know this has a huge impact on the healthcare system, but also societally, uh, Dr. Butt. Do we have an idea? People seem to relate uh, to dollar signs and the amount of money that it's costing. Do we, can we put a dollar amount on the impact on the healthcare system and and overall societal issues like uh, like uh, abuse within the home and, and violence within the home? Absolutely. CCSA has been involved in the Canadian Substance Use Cost and Harm Study. That, that was released in 2017. An update is coming out later this year. And it looks at the costs and harms of all substances uh, from province to province and territory across the country. And the fact of the matter is that alcohol is the source the greatest source of cost and harms in 
every province, with the exception of the Maritimes, where tobacco is number one, alcohol is number two. So alcohol's impact is far greater than opioids and methamphetamine and others that other illicit substances. When it comes to alcohol, obviously, you know, it's not, I don't think anybody in their right mind would endorse it as, as something that's good for you. As uh, you know, it, I mean, Homer Simpson makes the joke, the cause of and solution to all of, life, all of life's problems. And yes, there's humor in that, but, you know, it, it has its obvious uh, detriments and after, especially after the things that you just rattled off. Of course, the genie's out of the bottle. We can't just eliminate it or ban it, get rid of alcohol, but is... Just theoretically, is alcohol one of those things that exists but maybe shouldn't? Well, I think that if it was new, if it was something that was coming in and impacting our communities, such as, for example, fentanyl, uh, we would probably declare a public health emergency. The, The harms are hiding in plain sight in terms of people who are homeless, domestic violence, uh, assaults, the impact in terms of the corrections and justice system is significant. So there, there are so many societal harms that I think people would, would be rocked and they would say, just a minute, we, we need to do something about this. Whereas historically, because um, of the way it was woven into our culture and our society, we tend to give it a, give it a, a bit of a ride. Uh, to the point that it's really rather strange, I think most listeners would, would agree with me, that we have a class one carcinogen being sold, being um, intended to be ingested with absolutely no warning label. It's an interesting point that you make, the, the, the money uh, earned by governments on this, the profiteering from the corporations who market and sell it is, is obviously uh, gigantic as well, Doctor. But we do have to maybe find a bright light here, and that's uh, over the weekend. Global News had a story on how, at least on a global scale, reachers have seen a trend that's raising eyebrows. Young people, specifically Generation Z, are drinking far less alcohol than generations past does that encourage you? Absolutely. That's encouraging, and, and um, I'm not sure of the drivers for that, but uh, I think they've probably looked around and decided, you know, this isn't a good place to invest their money. And really, when it comes to the, the guidance that we've released, the good news is that less is better, and even though the risks increase exponentially when you get to seven standard drinks a week and more, if a person were to decrease by one drink a day or one drink a week, there exponentially improving their health and well-being. So less is better. It, um, it's a good news story, even though it's uh, rather, if I may use the pun, sobering. Dr. Peter Butt is co-chair for Canada's Low Risk Alcohol Drinking Guidelines, Canadian Centre on Substance Abuse and Addiction. Thank you very much for joining us this morning, Dr. Butt. We appreciate your time. Thank you. And our question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid. Struggling with debt? Call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. What is your reaction to this? And so far at cjob.com, just pulling up the updated results, uh, we've got 30% who say, I agree, alcohol causes too many problems. 29% say drinking less is good, but two drinks seems harsh. And then at 42%, we've got two drinks a week. What a joke. But looking at social media, where we also put the poll on Instagram, 
Uh, it's a bit of the reverse. We've got 46% who say, I agree, alcohol causes too many problems. And on Twitter, uh, it was 39% who say, I agree, alcohol is bad. So lots of places for you to weigh in on this. Cast your vote, cjob.com, on Twitter, on Instagram, or shoot us a text at 204-780-6868. And you alluded to this in one of your questions to the doctor, Brett. Uh, this was a concern that we had before coming on the air this morning, and that was the reaction to this and this question from one of our listeners. I guess I'll wait 10 years and the evidence will be the opposite again. And that's part of the concern, at least in my mind, with regard to this research and being able to trust it. Uh, I likened it to the coffee research that we've seen over decades. Coffee is good for you. No, it's not. It's terrible for you. No, mm. it's good. And moderation does certain things. And Dr. Uh, Dr. Butt mentioned the idea of, of wine and alcohol, a certain amount. Well, I know at least one researcher at the St. Boniface Hospital who will tell you that there, there's proof that red wine and certain parts of red wine is actually good for your heart. Obviously, you don't want to drink a bottle of it every day, but a glass a day, there's proof that, that, that it improves your heart health. So the trust of the research, I think, is going to be a big factor here in people embracing these recommendations or ignoring them altogether. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. A reminder that in our next segment, we are asking you about foodstuffs gone bad for a chance to win yourself some Manitoba Moose tickets versus the Iowa Wild. Canada Life Centre, Friday, February 17th. Like Carrie and Dauphin, who says, I was at the grocery store. I came across a too-good-to-be-true deal on a full salmon. Being that it was summer, I figured it'd be a great barbecue dinner. Bought all the ingredients for side dishes, went home to prep, started to fillet the fish only, or is it fillet in that case? I'm thinking. I think it could be fillet at I that think, point. I think it's fillet. <laughs> yes. I think you fillet the fish and then you have a fish a, a fillet. Fillet of fish. <laughs> started to fillet the fish only to find it full of worm, no, worms. No. Oh, no. After being completely disgusted, I took the fish back to the store, told them it was full of worms. Not only did they reimburse the purchase of the fish, they credited my whole bill. So good on them. Absolutely. Great well service. Done. So, Carrie, sorry to hear you went through that, but that's good to hear that the company stepped up and took care of you. So we're going to pick a winning text in our next segment. But right now... Yesterday, I couldn't find a reason. Today, school gave me hope. Tomorrow, I won't have to go through it alone. That a message from the Manitoba government is part of an initiative being launched. Sorry, <laughs> jumped the gun there. little trigger happy. That message is part of an initiative being launched by the Manitoba government to encourage more young Manitobans to get the education they need. Global's Lisa Dutton has more. The province is sending out new guidelines to school divisions, hoping to keep students in the classroom. The directive focuses on several areas, including creating common terminology, responding to chronic absenteeism, and coordinating roles among staff. As Winnipeg School Division Chief Superintendent Pauline Clark explains, some solutions are right in front of us. The kind of ways that we can support our students is having flexible hours for some of our students. Maybe they can't come for a full day every day, but if they can come three days a week for some of the days, then that's wonderful. That gets them on the path to confidence, friendships and futures. The new guidelines are supported by an ad campaign called School Keep Going. 
That campaign will appear on social media and several other locations in the weeks ahead. So those video messages are short. They're to the point. As Lisa said, the campaign is dubbed School Keep Going. It includes videos that show young people talking about how going to school opens more possibilities for their future. Then they try to address absenteeism with different images and messages around school attendance and the ways we might encourage young people to attend school and ultimately graduate. Yesterday, I felt too broken to care. Today, school put me back together. Tomorrow, I won't let anything stop me. So the visuals associated with that clip, Brett, include students playing school sport. Being included on a sports team is one element or possibility which, in my mind, can absolutely entice our youth into attending school on a more regular basis. Sel Burroughs, who's a regular guest here on 680 CGOB, is a community activist and member of Provincial Working Group on Education. I know that absenteeism and uh, chronic truancy has been something that's been on his radar with regard to this being something that that contributes uh, to poverty and feels as though reducing the number of chronically absent students would lead to lower poverty rates. When it comes to, to sports, Brett... I know that's something that encouraged me to be at school on days when sometimes I felt like it was optional. I always hated, I've said this before, I hated school. I don't know why. (laughs) I hated getting up to go to school. I hated sitting in class. I hated doing homework. But on the days where we had, say, a basketball practice before class, you couldn't get me out of bed fast enough. And I'd I'd be walking to school at like six in the morning in the dark and through the snow. Couldn't wait couldn't wait to get to school so I could practice and play basketball. Yeah, so I, I think that's part of the conversation uh, that maybe we'll have at 9.35 about ways to encourage our youth to, to stay in school, to be in school, to to really define their calling and to be, I hate using this saying because it ties to a military moniker and, and marketing campaign, but to be all that you can be. You know, there are so many people with so much talent, with so much potential that's going untapped, unrealized, because either they don't go to school, they're not in school enough, or they don't have the support systems around them in in order uh, to make education a, a priority. Others are weighing in on the province's plan. President of the Manitoba School Boards Association, Alan Campbell, says the province needs to take a look at the money it's giving back in education property tax rebates as a growing number of students have been in need of services since the pandemic. Campbell believes the province could have gone further with this announcement. Then you have to have conversations about nutrition. Then you have to have conversations about mental health supports in schools and supports for students with additional needs and making sure the transportation networks and all other types of programs and resources that need to be there so that there's wraparound supports for those students are adequately funded. Now we know education is critical for employment and success in other aspects of life, but what role might higher attendance and graduation rates have on reducing youth crime? That'll be part of our conversation coming up at 9.35. An interview we pursued based on this tweet sent out over this past weekend by our guest. 28-year-old woman called to say hi and if she could use me as a reference. She went to jail on her 12th birthday. She stole my car and was number one when Edmonton police started a young offender profile list. Worked with her for years. Today, 
She has a master degree in social work. Wow. And our guest coming up at 935 closes his tweet with, always, kiddo. The author of the tweet has been helping vulnerable persons for 30 years. Human rights advocate Mark Charrington will join us in our final half hour. So looking forward to that conversation. And indeed, whether it's a part of a sports team or maybe a team of some other sort, some other, some sort of a club, because no, not everybody, not everybody's going to be good no. enough to make the team. No, no. Maybe if you go to go to a small school like I did, where pretty much everybody who tried out got on a team. But uh, um, so I sort of made it by default. But I looked forward. To, I I enjoyed it. Um, but if I wasn't good enough to get on on the sports team, maybe I could have found something else. You know, whether it's a, a a chess club or whatever, the the audio video club, mm-hmm. something that you can look that you can work together with uh, outside of your typical homework, I think would be super valuable too. Yeah, right? those extracurriculars within the school are important, and we're learning they're extremely important outside of of school time as well, and maybe even outside of school altogether. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on vacation. No, she's not. I don't know why I said that. I was trying to, I was distracted. Like, what song are we listening to here? Uh, vacation. That's the default mode. <laughs> just uh, on assignment. <laughs> this sounds like vacation music, and I just initially just switched to vacation. Yeah, she's not on vacation, but hopefully back tomorrow. Uh, we're asking you about foodstuffs gone wrong and uh, we've got a listener suggested song here to help set this up living in the fridge living in the fridge from Weird Al Yankovic off his album Alapalooza a parody of Aerosmith's Living on the Edge how many of his songs what what percentage are food related well he want our winning text has to do with chicken pot pie yeah. He wanted to do Live and Let Die as right. chicken pot pie. Paul McCartney. And Paul McCartney politely declined because he's a vegetarian. Uh, right. So he was honored that Weird Al wanted to do a song, but he's like, no, you know what, man? I'm a vegetarian, so I'd rather not. It just wouldn't work for me. But his, his first song was My Bologna. My Sharona, the knack. Yeah. Uh, he, had the, he was would have done chicken pot pie. He did Eat It. He did uh, Michael, meaning parodied Michael Jackson song. Is that bad. his biggest? Is that his biggest? Eat it. Probably is most one of his most iconic. Sure. Yeah, I would say that. Um, still one of my favorites. But we're asking you this morning about foodstuffs gone wrong. Um, Neil had a good one as a runner-up, Mr. Mackling. Uh, where is Neil's here? Oh, Neil, here he goes. Okay. We, uh, we we saw baby back ribs on sale for a great price. We bought a package and headed out to the lake. I was getting ready to barbecue them, so I cut open the vacuum-packed ribs, and holy moly, they stunk the entire house up instantly. I was trying to get them into the garbage bag without gagging. It was uh, just really a mess, and wow. uh, I, I'm not going to read the rest of Neil's <laughs> decks because it uh, is very, very... Uh, graphic. Graphic. Okay. Yes, indeed. I mean, part of, of course, part of the problem with talking about this is it's, a, it, I think, relatable to just about all of us, but not necessarily pleasant all the time. But Christian, Christian T is our winner. Christian says, many, moon, many, many moons ago, when I was in high school cooking class, we made chicken pot pie. 
Once her class was over, I placed the warm chicken pot pie that was in a partially sealed container in my locker, which I intended to pick up before heading home that day. This was the last day of school ahead of the holidays. And although I went to my locker at the end of the day, (laughs) I forgot to take the chicken pot pie home with me. When we returned from the holidays in January, as I began walking down the hallway to my locker, I could sense a presence wafting down the hall. When I approached my locker, it hit me like a brick wall in the face because I realized the awful smell was coming from my locker, and I knew exactly why. When I opened the door, one of my friends held a plastic bag while I tossed the container of radioactive goo into said bag, inadvertently splashing the rotten juice onto my friend's jacket. To make a long story short, it took nearly two weeks for the smell to entirely dissipate from the locker, and to this day, I cannot bring myself to eat chicken pot pie. Not surprising in any way, shape, or form, Christian. Uh, I feel sorry for the for the custodians at, uh, at your high school that probably had to deal with that at, at some point. Yeah. Yeah, like he. <laughs> the smell must have just been horrible. Punch it! Thank you for sharing all of your wonderful stories as usual. Well, I guess in this case, not so wonderful, but hilarious all the same. And Christian picks up a pair of Manitoba Moose tickets, Iowa Wild in Town, Canada Life Center, Friday, February 17th.